Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on this evening. Hope everybody's doing well. Glad to have uh, my good buddy Pete Kalen back on the show. We're here to t- talk uh, UConn Husky football and a victory. Yes, sir. I'm much more enthusiastic, not only because of the win, but because I didn't have a weekend shift this weekend. So, hello, Husky Nation. Good to be back. Good to be talking some Husky football. Let's go get it. Absolutely. Heck of a performance by our guys. I mean, obviously, to, to go on the road uh, and get a win. Uh, it's never easy to win on the road, and we, we took care of business. But it's we started down 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Pete, what were your thoughts early on in the game? My thoughts were, uh, honestly... I had to step out the house and do the lawn a little bit because I was like, "Oh my gosh, are we going through this again?" And then uh, I came back a little while, a little bit while back, to get caught up and saw that we caused two turnovers and we played a second quarter like we had not played all season. To my delight, and I was glued to the TV uh, from that that point and was glad to watch the rest of the way. Um, the guys just, like Coach said found a way to win and were resilient. You know, we talked about last time on the last show was just having that extra grit, having that extra survival, kind of die on the field, go get it kind of attitude. And they found they found that in a turnover in the second quarter and just steamrolled from there. And sometimes that's what you need to change momentum around in a game, in a season. And this hope is for a season-long run, and it was a, a great watch as a fan and a former player. <clears throat> Couldn't agree more, like, like you said. I mean, we went out there, and th- those turnovers really, really helped us. I mean, anytime you can win a, fo- win a turnover battle four to nothing in a football game, we forced uh, five fumbles, recovered three of them. We had a pick off of JT Daniels. I mean, we were flying around playing some good football there. I mean, it was a perfect outcome for the turnovers or for the takeaways, especially when you convert them not only to all three to scores in the second quarter, mm-hmm. but touchdowns. Um, that's that's as good an outcome as you can have, plus, you know, getting the dub, of course. And also adding the stop they had at the end of the half that's a 24 to 28 points uh, turnaround in your favor. And when you get that, that's a, a great advantage to have um, to get a win on the road and lock up a victory like we did. I like how you bring brought up the stop at the end of the half. That that was absolutely huge. I, I don't th- I, I've heard coaches say before the last four minutes of the second half and the first four minutes of the third quarter – can can really be really key points when it comes to a football game and when you take care of business getting the stops and then we scored in the third quarter to to take a 28 to 14 lead obviously that that's a huge huge win for us in that department it's it's momentum change it's taking advantage of the human psyche where you know just before a, a pause you know after going through a, a string of events like you do during a football game, you know, to have things all, all of a sudden 
turn in your favor or if you're on the other end against you and have 15 extra minutes to sit and think about it and wonder how you're going to either, you know, turn it around or keep it. And then you're in an advantageous situation, you convert again. It, it can have a very big effect on on teams, especially ones that aren't, you know, mentally resilient or haven't backed up trying to answer that kind of challenge um, through action. So it's, yeah, it's huge. It's huge, especially with young kids playing, playing college, you know, who are just learning how to deal with those kinds of things possibly in those situations. So those are huge turning points. can be huge turning points in, in a game if you have the uh, like a mental, me- mental makeup and uh, team to take advantage of it. <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and we did just that, I mean, in this game. And hopefully moving forward, we will continue to do so. Hopefully we use this moving forward, and I, and I really think we will. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think the biggest thing that was, you know, we talked about last week was, you know, playing complementary football. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily in perfect sync, but um, the way it was complementary is that at key moments in the game, each group bailed the other out. Um you know, defense, of course, with the takeaways and a stop at the end of the half in the second quarter. Um, you know, we talked about the 24 to 28 point swing for that. Um, you know, special teams converting uh, a key score in the fourth quarter and, and maintaining the scoring cushion and maintaining pressure on Rice with the 47 yard field goal. And then the offense scoring and converting touchdowns on all the takeaway opportunities and uh, finishing the end of the game with big plays to answer. To answer uh, the momentum that Rice was generating in the fourth quarter and trying to come back with uh, Jolie's touchdown in the fourth quarter. So they, they all complemented each other. You know, in the, in the words of John Facenda, they weren't great, but they were great when they had to be. Absolutely. And <clears throat> my li- listeners will know my excitement for Justin Jolie. He's my guy. And to see him break off for that big touchdown there in the fourth quarter, uh, to say the least, I was really excited about that one. Man, we fought, We saw the RPO come back to the offense finally. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yes, we finally saw it. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe it, was, it was the right right time to, um, to operate and implement it because we were getting enough out of our, our run game and, and varying enough uh, with inside attacks, outside attacks, because it's starting to draw up linebackers enough to where um, – It'll work a little bit more. And, you know, hey, Tycon Robinson was a sniper. He was. Robinson was a sniper out there. I mean, completing 79% of his passes. Um, I know he didn't get get the throw 46 times like JT Daniels, but every single pass he made count just about. This is what you need in this offense. And um, every one of them was just kind of like lethal blows, lethal blows. And, that's the type of quarterback we need from him, from him to be. I mean, he certainly can be one of those 300-yard throwers, no doubt. But the game didn't call for that. Um, but he's he's been a surgeon out there. And if he continues to do that, we're going to be pretty successful down the road. Absolutely. I mean, uh, right now on the season, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. That's fantastic. That's where we need him to be. And then the past two games with his completion percentage, what he's been able to do – that that has really changed things from the offensive perspective, obviously. 
Well, it keeps the drives going because you convert, you're converting passes and you're converting, you know, routes that are going to be opening up because the pressure that's being placed on the defense with the run game. Um, and he's doing all that he needs to do. You can see he's maintaining or attaining more and more confidence back there. Um, and he's putting the ball in spots where, again, receivers can catch, run, turn, and run. Um, they're not having to, for the most part, not having to fight and uh, readjust. Um, he's also doing a good job when he's throwing in traffic and protecting his receivers, throwing the spots where they're not getting hit or getting hit clean. So he's he's playing the part of a pro-style quarterback and uh, helping this offense out quite a bit. Absolutely. I'm, I don't want to go too far ahead because we're off this week. We play USF next. But their pass defense is very suspect. They had the worst pass defense in college in FBS college football last season. They're improved this season, but they're still bottom 100, I want to say, uh, last I looked. So there's an opportunity moving forward for him to have a, a very, very good game. But again, we don't want to look too far ahead. But just just keep that in mind, Husky fans, that, that there's something there moving forward. So... <clears throat> Pete, I think we got to talk about Victor Rosa too. I mean, as the game wore on, I think he he got better. And he, the fact, like we've talked about before, that he leans on people and leans forward on his runs, getting extra yardage in the third and fourth quarter. That really mattered. I think he's getting a better feel for reading defensive fronts, um, being able to adjust to the flow of the defense, and pressing what we call the attack point better in order to allow those those holes to open up a little bit better. Um, sometimes he'd be, in the past, he'd be a little bit impatient with certain runs outside of the outside zone and allowing those those seams to develop. But he's doing a lot better with that. You can see, you can tell, you know, he's hitting seams, smaller seams that, that develop. But, you know, what's impressive is sometimes watching him on, you know, three or four-yard runs where, you know, he's he's hitting those predicted holes or those, those seams that develop and getting what he can. That That's telling me as a former coach that he's starting to see more and adding diversity to his style of play. Um, and, you know, when you have those little three or four runs, body blow, body blow, when you, when you decide to bounce as a running back, when the opportunity presents itself, and with the speed, that's when you start to get the, the, the chunk yards and um, the big plays um, as a running back. And he's starting to learn how to implement that patience as a running back and getting better every week. <clears throat> how long do you think that type of process takes? I mean, obviously, he's still very young. Um, but he, like you said, he's, he seems like he's really starting to pick it up takes reps man i mean it's it's not it's not a lie that you know a running back needs carries mm-hmm. or develop that skill because there's so many different scenarios that can develop just on the same play um depends on the defensive front depends on if there are any stunts involved depends on you know at a year offensive lineman in front of you could have like bowel issues that <laughs> make their stance funny and miss a block. I mean, there's a whole bunch of variables that can that go on. So you need the reps to learn how to adjust 
to different scenarios, different on-field situations, and you know you can tell that he is um, getting more uh, of an awareness, uh, particularly inside. Um, so it, it's coming. It's coming with experience. It's coming with um, repetition against better competition, against the uh, uh, more athletic fronts that he sees, and um, you know he's 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 got a lot of problems. Cam does too. I mean, mm-hmm. they just need carries. I couldn't agree more. We got, we said it, we said it last week, but we got two pretty good backs here that you can get excited about. That's for sure. Connecticut has produced a lot of good running backs at the high school level over the years. Um, I know I coached a couple when I was at Bloomfield High School back in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, a couple guys that went, you know, to high levels, you know, high level programs and had high levels of pro success where they went. Um, and plus other guys from all over the state that have had uh, success over the years. It's no surprise to me, um, knowing the talent that's in the state, that we got two of the best that came out of their class and they're doing the work that they're doing on the field. And it's going to be more to come for sure. Absolutely. And we can't talk about a rushing attack with, of course, mentioning Jelani Stafford and what he's doing. Um, Ten carries and five touchdowns. I mean, you can't get much better than that. But you and I were talking off air beforehand, and we've talked about this pretty frequently. Like Winning the line of scrimmage and and, and being able to beat a team in a four-down setting by using Jelani – can really get to a defense. And I know you as a former defensive player, uh, that that extra rep means something. Well, in almost every pro system, every pro school, every, every pro coach, every pro offensive coordinator will stress the first couple times, the first couple days of the training camp, the importance of short yardage. Because um, if you win that battle, or if you're in a position to consistently win that battle, you control the tempo of the game. Um, and as an offense, you will put extra pressure on a defense because you have to give them one more down, one more rep to worry about having to stop you. And if you if they don't, then there's four other chances that come. And then the four other chances that come, that can wear on a defense after a while. And being on the defensive side of it, when you go against teams that are wanting to go for it with those percentages on fourth down, Yes, you scout for it, but it's like, you know, if they start getting success, yeah, it's like you start worrying about that extra shot that they get, even though you'll get a stop on third down. If you know a team is coming at you and they have a high percentage of converting, if it's, you know, six to three feet or, you know, five to three feet, yard and a half, um, then, yeah, that, that puts an extra pressure on you wanting to make a play. And can predispose, especially young players, to to make small mistakes that may result in big plays in fourth and short, or a lack of a stop on the fourth and short in a key moment of the game at the end, or at the end of the game, or in the half, or down in the red zone. So, yeah, if you can control a line of scrimmage like that, it it gives you a huge advantage as a team, and to have someone like Jelani uh, constantly convert those situations in the 90 percentile 
um, that's a huge advantage for any kind of team to maintain possession, maintain momentum. I've lived in Charlotte here for years. I saw Cam Newton dominate those types of situations. Uh, same with New England and Tom Brady. Everybody knows the results and effects of those situations and how they can put a pressure on, on a defense and you know play a huge role in determining the outcome of games. You spoke to the kind of the mental side of it too. I, I think it's only a matter of time till till we possibly draw a couple teams off sides in this situation too, just because they're trying to beat the snap count or whatever it may be. I mean, would you want to get a head start if you knew somebody three hundred pounds was coming as fast right. as they were like that? I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's gonna be a natural consequence for sure. Um you know, as long as the offensive line is technically sound and getting leverage and moving the line of scrimmage or, you know, just enough to get Jelani some forward momentum. Uh, we're going to be tough to stop in those situations. And I'm glad we got a guy like him on our team. 100%. <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on our, just speaking on our offensive line. I mean, every everybody kind of knows about Christian Haynes being an all American last season. He'll undoubtedly be one this season as well. And, um, I'll do my best to vote him in once again, but that's another side note. But uh, uh, can you kind of speak to the offensive line and just kind of how they're playing right now? They're playing together, and they're executing very well. Um, they're shoring up some technical issues that they, they had earlier in the year. I mean, as all, all offensive line and offensive line groups do. Mm-hmm. Um and the proof is in the pudding in terms of the results that we're getting um, um, in in the rushing game the past couple of weeks. And I think what's helped them also is um, just letting them go downhill and just hit some people in the mouth. I mean, any offensive lineman will love that. Um, we're running more plays where we're, we're going and attacking people. I think they, they like that from a, a mental standpoint. Um, it's creating situations where we're maintaining – um, the ball a little bit longer just because we're adding variation to the offense and um, defensive fronts, defensive linemen have to scheme for di- um, prepare for different things and different you know attacks that are coming their way. And they are executing very well. Um, can't say enough for the group. I mean, yeah, like any group, they have you know snafus every every once in a while, but they seem to make adjustments pretty quick and um, have been able to correct them the past couple of weeks. Absolutely, and and I'd lo- I'd love to also hear your thoughts on Cam Ross and how he's playing. He's stacked a couple games in a row now of having some pretty good performances. I think, um, like any receiver, Cam will probably want the ball more, mm-hmm. but he's making the most of his opportunities. He's you know anybody watches old old NFL films of uh, Daryl Green, the old um, five foot eight corner for the Washington Redskins played 20 years, one of the fastest guys in the league. We always talked about, you know, not always getting opportunities that he wanted. Um, and he talked about being ready for your now moment. And that's what he's epitomizing, um, you know, coming off his injuries and, you know, playing in this offense and, and being there when he, you know, when he's called to be. Um, that's just a kid that's been ready for his now moment the past couple of weeks. And, when you have that, those kinds of results as a player, you know you're going to be bound to explode eventually. Um, 
uh, that kind of patience gets rewarded in this game. And, you know, if he just keeps playing, he keeps directing himself along the path he is, um, he'll have a breakout game. And, you know, because defenses will be focused on other things and, you know, he'll be able to take advantage of it and he'll have his breakout game and, and, and you know, tell the world his name. Mm-hmm. It's coming. I, I yeah. absolutely agree with you. Now, now to shift to you, I'll, I'll say your favorite side of the ball on defense here. And we, that first quarter, we gave up 61 rushing yards. And Rice, coming into the game, their biggest rushing output for the season was 64 yards. They ended with 112. Uh, so, we had, like I said, they gave up 61 in the first quarter. So, ending with 112, that's pretty decent, actually. So, can you... What are, you, what are your thoughts on that rush defense? I mean, obviously we put it together later on, but in the beginning of the game, it was like maybe questioning some things. I think to me, the sometimes as a coach, you know, you can you can scheme things, and you know, players will be where you tell them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, especially on the front seven. The second quarter, as opposed to the first quarter. The first quarter, they they that got to where they needed to be with English, but at certain times, they'll still be sealed off or pushed aside enough for for crease to for that running back to slip through. And it, you know, in the end, it wasn't a good enough job. Um, either someone put a boot up their butt, or they did it themselves and decided to just okay. They used the offensive lineman in front of them and started pushing them in, into the running lanes that they were trying to create. You know, they literally got a, more of a stronger backbone and played their gaps, played more soundly, played more violently, and shut it down. You know, sometimes it's that little extra English as a defensive lineman, as a front seven that you got to play with in order to shut things down. It takes more than just getting to your spot and waiting for the block to come. That's that's waiting in the corner to get your butt kicked. You know, you got sometimes enforce your, your house and your will when you get there and say, nah, big boy, you ain't coming at me like that today. And that's what they did from the second quarter on. Absolutely. And we, coming into this game, we had six sacks on the season. We got two in this game. So hopefully that's a that's a statistic that's going to start going in the right direction as well as we force turnovers like we've already talked about. But then hopefully our sack numbers can go up. But yes, that as many times as JT Daniels passed the ball, obviously it was just more of an opportunity to get some sacks. But we also got good pressure too. Yeah, he he was on the run quite a bit. I'll say it during, you know, at least 40% of his attempts mm-hmm. in the second half. He didn't have a clean pocket to stay in. Um, there were times where he had to, you know, step up and, and get clear of the pocket and, and sometimes be on the run in order to continue to look downfield and try to complete passes. Um, the, the pressure was definitely up. There was much more of a violent intent by the defensive line to get to their mark and get to him. Um, and whenever you have a defensive line or a front seven playing like that, you know the quarterback's going to be rushed as a secondary guy, and you know that you won't have to hold things as long, and you can start looking for opportunities to make plays. Um, within the discipline and within the structure, what you're supposed to do, of course, but you know the timing's going to be rushed up 
you know, when your big boys up front are getting pressure on the quarterback. It just creates more opportunities. And those are the circumstances you love to play in and and love to feast, so to speak, being a DB. And certainly number seven back there um, took advantage of his opportunities. Yes, he did. He's a, he's a good football player. <laughs> yeah, Sheeran, Sheeran always seems to be around the ball. Um, and another one of those guys I'm glad is on our team. Um, he seems to have a nose for it in certain situations and look forward to seeing him play more. Absolutely agree. We were talking before, before we came on, like he's always around the football. It seems just making plays. Yeah. Yeah, He seems to have a knack to get there. Of course he hustles and, you know, what was really impressive about him too was you know, playing in the slot and playing the slot corner. There were a couple of times where he was in the one-on-one situations where he could have very easily been shook or very easily um, missed the tackle. But his discipline with his pursuit angle, um, I found was really impressive, and you you, you saw the reason why he's there. Um, it takes a, a person with quickness, a person with speed, and the discipline to attack specifically certain points. Um, on a ball carry or on a receiver to play there. He certainly has it, has a good sense of it, and which is why he's been successful there. <clears throat> Absolutely. And lo- looking at the stats, JT Daniels throws for 362 yards, which s- it- it's a big number, but at the same time, with what they do offensively, I, I-, I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, considering that they became one-dimensional, especially in the second half, and I, we held up well. I mean, they can pass for five hundred, and we get the dub. It's fine with me, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we had short fields to convert scores, so that means they had the ball probably longer periods of time, and more opportunities to pass. And so, yeah, you're going you're gonna to rack up yards like that. But, you know, in the end, were they allowed to make key plays to change momentum around? No. Uh, were turnovers forced? Yes. Um, were there key stops and key moments? Absolutely. In both ends of the, of the two halves, both at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. So... You made the plays that you needed to play make um, when you needed to make the most. And if you can do that and say that as a defense, it was a very successful day. Absolutely agree. And like we talked about in the previous episode or the last episode, we had some mistakes in the Utah State game. And yes, this the Rice game wasn't perfect, but you could tell uh, things were just a lot more in sync from everybody on the defense. We talked a lot last week about operations, just basic operations as as being a position. There were absolutely no errors that I saw in that. You could see, and with the view that the the game was shown this week, it was basically an all-22. You -hmm. can see everybody communicating, everybody pointing where they needed to be, and when the ball was snapped, everybody going with intent where they needed to go. If and when that ball was passed down the field to a receiver, there are at least four or five guys there 
you can't ask him for anything better you know, as as a defense. And then to generate the turnovers you did to lead to the scores that, that occurred, it was an A-plus game by the defense. Totally different outcome and operational dynamic than last week. Um, secondary looked on point throughout the game with no communication errors. Defensive line obviously answered the challenge. We threw to them last week to get pressure on the quarterback, and they did. Um, it, it just looked great. They just looked like a one singular singular entity hunting as one. And um, you can play like that, you're going to have a lot of success moving forward. 100%. And your, your hunting analogy works for – for your video that you've put out there on Twitter. I mean, we held on to uh, to that mountain goat this time. That's for sure. Hey, man, it's there's certain actions in football that are very primal and not unlike that. Uh, I wouldn't say actions, but maybe components of it, the way you got to execute, the way you got to you know move as an intelligent being, but there's still certain what I call natural processes, primal processes that, you know, you can learn to channel that energy can bring you a lot of success. Um, a lot of intimidated factors as a defense. Um, they definitely established a groundwork and they just got to keep that groundwork now and see how far it takes them um, to allow their individual talent, instincts, uh, feel for the game, manifest in different types of plays that they can have different outcomes and you know even more explosive outcomes of plays for the team and for the defense. Absolutely. And to shift to the final side of the ball and special teams, I mean, we, we, we do have to discuss another blocked extra point. Uh, so hope, hopefully we can uh, get that figured out. That's for sure. The thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking at special teams, now let's give them credit where credit's due. You generated a key turnover. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's huge in special teams, especially when it came um, in the third in the third quarter, in the second quarter. Second, second quarter. Second quarter. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, give them kudos for that, first of all. Absolutely. But um, they're on the fringe of certain – things occurring that they got to clean up. Otherwise, it might cost another game. And I think they're aware of that. But it's like one guy. Like, you know, the operations, first of all, with the extra point, they just needed cleaning up, period. You know, uh, that is just a one-punch, high-intensity kind of, activity where you just don't allow in an absolute sense anybody to get through your gap mm-hmm. period um and that that's an all or nothing thing and you got to realize it's an all or nothing thing so you got to get all every 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 time you execute that play period every single man one through 11 you got to get all not nothing you got to get all so that's a mentality of extra point so they're going to find people that are going to want to do that and you know get people that that don't don't want to off of it and they're going to do that really quick um you know with 
with kick cover, they almost broke a couple. And the thing that I'm finding is in watching film, it was like one guy. You know, usually, usually, well, for the first kick, the first kick, and the first thing they got to they shore up is that McFadden and he probably sees this is not always consistent in where he places the ball where it needs to be kicked in order to get um, the kick cover team uh, maximum advantage in, in in covering the kicks and, and the angles that they're they're asked to cover. They're sprinting to one spot of the field and he's not getting it there all the time. That has to be fixed. Um, number two, when he, he did get it there, there was like one guy that would avoid to the wrong side. There was one kick return now. They almost broke, I think, in the second quarter where everybody was avoiding left. This one kid decided to avoid right and created a huge gap. It almost broke. So those are the types of things that have to – you just have to maintain a discipline. That's that's someone that's, you know, following their instinct to incorporate the first reaction that they feel on the field. But they got to know that that kind of reaction – can hurt the team because all it takes is one guy uh, to make a mistake like that, and it could be very costly. So just those little important things in maintaining your, your lane coverage and avoiding the right way, those are a big, big deal on special teams, and they have to start, those members of those teams have to start taking pride in, again, making the all happen because if you don't, you don't want to be on the other end of nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, the the one of the other things I want to touch on before we conclude here is <clears throat> in our previous episode, we talked about go one and zero, win the day. And that's as former coaches to both of us, we can we can relate to that. You 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 kind of sell that to your players and everything. And uh, I exchanged some. Uh, text messages with coach charlton after the game on saturday and and he was echoing those sentiments so it, it, it as coaches you and i we understand that that one and all mentality win win today or win just focus on today that's all you can control and for for this team in particular where we are right now that's a huge thing so obviously moving forward we just have to have that one and all mindset correct pete Yes, we have to have that one and zero mindset. We have to keep in mind what it took to get to one and zero. What kind of effort it took. What kind of components of that effort it took. Um, again, the type of effort, the type of intensity to make baseline things, baseline operational things flawless, um, and work at an intensity that worked to your advantage. Um, yes, concentrate on on being one and zero every week and. Again, like we said last week, the only team that's beat the UConn Huskies has been mm-hmm. the UConn Huskies. So, UConn Huskies now are the best team that has helped them win a game. And that's the type of team you got to be moving forward. 100%. All accounts, all accounts is the guys in that locker room and what you do and what you put out there. So, put out there you know, something that is going to continue to help you win ball games, regardless of who it is out there. Absolutely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question before we conclude here. 
something off of the Yukon topic, kind of like what we did last week with Trent Dilfer. And, and, and I'm going to have two parts to this. So, and, and I apologize that I didn't uh, send this to you beforehand, but kind of putting you on the spot here. But what are your thoughts as a coach for the quote unquote uh, tush push play? And then what would, from a coach's perspective, what are your thoughts? And then what are your thoughts as a defensive player like yourself? I mean, as a coach, I'm like, whatever works, man. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, especially if you're the type that's got some of the responsibilities and the pay grade that some of these coaches have. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever works to, to help you out, you help your situation and help your team, you use. And if it's not illegal, right, you know, keep doing what you got to do. You know, from a defensive standpoint, in those situations, it's always been low man wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty hard to get low man when you know offensive lines decide to start wedging. I mean, when they close those splits up and you know everybody collapses, um, they're charged, they're forced off of one player, it's either off the center, or off the guard. I mean, you almost act like a you know. A singular wedge through a defense. Um, that's a hard play to stop, and the only thing that does stop it is if you got it's, it's simple physics, right? <laughs> a force of equal and opposite reaction, and, and if you got linemen that can do that, that can uh, you know acquire that skill, that that's fine. I mean, I know they've they've taken. Uh, some rule approaches to protect linemen from low-charging players to, to, you know, prevent prevent injury, but that's not a situation that's protected. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've seen some dirty stuff over my time. Well, I say dirty, but, you know, some stuff over the time to take advantage of, uh, let's just say, anatomical disadvantageous parts of the body as opposed to a whole mass. So, Someone's going to figure it out. At, at some point. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's taken a while. I mean, especially with some of these bigger quarterbacks. And I'm pretty sure once they figure it out, they'll start, you know, doing other things like load option and you right. know, belly trap on the edge and stuff like that. So, but yeah, so far, you know, the shortest point is a straight line. And it keeps working. They're going to keep working and using it. It's like you what know, we say with Jelani Stafford. Right. If you don't like it, find a way to stop it. Right. <laughs> well, Pete, uh, that brings us to the end of the of our uh, conversation here in our show. So, again, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It, it's always a blast. It's been a pleasure. Much, much better experience this week. I hope I brought the energy this time, UConn Nation, and look forward to talking to you guys again in the following two weeks when we play South Florida. Absolutely. Looking forward to that one, of course. And uh, a well-deserved week off after after a W here, so hopefully our guys can enjoy it, uh, get some rest, some much-needed rest, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, and, hey, fellas, enjoy this win, and then get back to work and kick butt again. Let's go. Amen, absolutely. Well, Pete, let the listeners know where they can uh, follow you. You can find me at X at pcallen 33 uh, again, X at P Callen 
Absolutely, guys. Give him a follow. And then, of course, you can follow me at Coach underscore B Will. And then, of course, the podcast account at TNT College Foot One. Go Huskies and God bless everybody.